Hey, everyone. Welcome back to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller. And today we are going to talk about energy vampires. I don't know if you've met one, but after we have this discussion today, you're going to be able to identify if you have. Energy vampires are often those people who, when we leave an, an interaction with them, we feel a little drained, a little strained, maybe a little stressed but we feel like maybe they took a little piece of us with them. And so there's different types of energy vampires. And I called a dear friend of mine and a guest who has been on my podcast before. Her name is Dr. Rhonda Mays. And she and I are going to enlighten you of all the different types of energy vampires that we could think of. And then next week, I'm going to do a deep dive into what you do when you meet an energy vampire and how do you navigate communication with them, whether it's at work or at home or it's in a social setting. So welcome, Rhonda. How are you? Well, thank you. I'm doing extremely well. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm so glad you're back. Rhonda, you and I always have great conversations and you always have so much to share. So Rhonda and I identified some different types of energy vampires that we have met. Rhonda and I both practice as mental health clinicians and we also um, work in the fitness space. And so we've met our fair share of energy vampires and I bet that you have too. And so let's go ahead and do a deep dive into some of those. So Rhonda, the first type of energy vampire that we want to talk to you about is the always innocent energy vampire. This is the energy vampire who has a hard time accepting accountability for things that they do. For some reason, no matter what happens, it isn't at the expense of the energy vampire. It's generally at the expense of you. So what do you have to say about that one, Rhonda? Yeah, if you are actually interacting with clients, this individual kind of shows up or manifests as a person who is, like Angie said, never able to accept responsibility for their own behavior. And one of the ways that you could tell that you're dealing with the person that's always innocent, it doesn't matter if they're late, it doesn't matter if they have not paid for their sessions, you feel guilty for bringing up the issue and addressing the issue with them. Because again, they're always innocent. So if you bring anything to their attention, they're going to deflect it right back onto you. Yes, exactly. They're the ones that if, if you point out the fact that they were late to the session, they tell you all the reasons why they were late. And then they lay that guilt on really, really heavy, like how dare or the audacity of you to bring up to me that I was late to session because you don't walk in my space and you have no idea what I deal with. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. So, you know, the other thing that we talked about is the other thing about an energy vampire that is a never to blame or never responsible is they often have the martyr complex. And the interesting thing about martyrs is that martyrs are generally self-created. They involve themselves mm -hmm. in everything. They like to help. They like to be a part of things. They love to sign up for everything that there is as far as volunteerism and, and they say yes to every project, but not for altruistic purposes. They're the ones who let everybody know everything that they signed up for, all the committees that they're on. And so often they are self-perpetuated. They put themselves in these positions, but yet they behave as if they've been put upon and they're exhausted and nobody understands how it feels to be them, even though they're the ones that put themselves there. 
exactly. They're actually similar to the person that we discussed earlier. The person that they feel like people need them. However, the truth of the reality is they need to feel needed by others. So that is why they join everything. This is why they become a part of every organization. This is why, and then they gloat about it. You don't understand what I have to do. I have this many clients. I'm on this board with this organization. I do this thing for this place. So I'm exhausted. People are pulling on me all the time. However, they don't necessarily know how to function without being involved in so many different things. Yeah. That's what makes it self-inflicting. Right. Because they actually put themselves into those situations. And then as we talked about, they actually then complain about those situations, can't figure out why they're tired every time, or sometimes even feel like people are not appreciative enough because they want that appreciation. They want that constant validation that they're doing good. They're doing good. They're doing good. And there again, it goes back to, it's not so much that other people need them as much as they need to be needed. And so that martyr complex is a little bit of codependency mixed in there. So let's move on to the next type of energy vampire that you might run across. And what Ron and I came up with was the drama vampire. You know the drama vampire. It wasn't just in our 20s that we met the drama vampire. They're often the ones who like to be in the throes of the fire, and they're generally stoking the fire. And a lot of times they'll come to that positive-minded, helpful person to pull them out of the fire after they get the they get the flames nice and big, and they'll either ask for your assistance or inadvertently say a trigger that pulls you into the drama when really all you want is to deflect the drama. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You typically will see the drama vampire in the workplace. These people really love to show up in the workplace Well, they'll cause some type of infarction and then they'll pull back and like they'll cause a scenario where a project has failed or or a delivery isn't ready. Like if a project needed to be available for, on a Friday, ahead of Friday deadline date, they will cause like a dramatic scene, pull back, speak about how they've been heavily affected by it. And then they expect you to do the cleanup work. They expect everyone else around the office to do the cleanup work. But not only were they the person that identified the infarction, they were actually the person that dropped the ball to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Drama victims like to be in the throes of the fire and somehow they always seem to be the ones stoking the fire and they, they can never figure out why they're why they're part of the drama. Why does drama always come to me? But generally the drama comes to them because they're fanning the flames. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, the drama client, what does a drama client look like, Rhonda? We know what it looks like in the workplace, but what's a what's a drama client? What would that look like, do you think? <laughs> So the drama client actually typically studies their victim. They actually choose to be with a trainer that they know will help fan the fire. So an example of a drama client is someone who actually waits for maybe about two or three months before they even select a trainer because they've looked at you. They've actually probably gone onto the board. Like say, for example, at Equinox, there's a picture of every single trainer in a bio. So what they start to do is like either place themselves on different pieces of cardio or somewhere strategically around the gym so that they will actually be able to see um, interactions between each trainer and their client. Once they start training with you, you're going to hear conversations like, 
oh, I noticed that you come in at this time and this trainer comes in at this time. And, and, and I noticed these other things about this about this trainer. So say, for example, if Sally comes in at nine o'clock and you have clients at eight, nine, and 10, they start to want to have a dialogue as to the difference in your volume of schedule versus Sally's volume of schedule. And then they'll cycle back around and have a conversation with Sally as if you brought this to, to their attention. So they're actually causing confusion and conflict. And then by the time that you and Sally interact with one another, this person pulls back, they draw away, and they, they don't even know why you're even bringing them into this because this is something between you and Sally. It has really yeah. nothing to do with me. They like to drop little bombs along the way, don't they? Like they like to bring something up in a meeting that gets everybody going and then sort of sit back with their arms crossed and watch everybody go after each other after they mm -hmm. drop the bomb. Mm -hmm. They seem to know what people's triggers are and they know how to kind of undermine and weasel in between it. So yeah, that's that's the drama energy vampire for sure in a nutshell. <laughs> so that was a great example. So the other, and uh, I want to, before we get, go any further on to our next energy vampire, I want to introduce Dr. Rhonda May. She is a good friend. She's an APA master instructor and uh, she works in mental health and she is just such a wealth of knowledge. I love to have her on anytime I target any kind of topic that touches on, um, you know, the human spirit and personality and all of those kind of good juicy things, because that's what we deal with as trainers, right? So um, the next energy vampire that Ron and I want to talk about is the underminer vampire. And the underminer vampire is like the vampire who's always one accolade ahead. Okay. So you just finish your certified nutrition coach certification and you call the, the underminer vampire without even realizing that's what they are. And, and you call her or him and you're like, I just finished the certified nutrition coach certification. And I am so proud of myself. It was such hard work. And they land you with something that sounds like, Oh yeah, I did that one like 10 years ago. Just wait until you do this, whatever it is certification, because that's the one that's really hard. And that's the one that employers really want. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all your joy is like a balloon and it's been deflated. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, the underminer shows up as a client as well. So you'll, let's just take that same example. You've finished your um, certification in nutrition, you're excited about it, you actually want a menu plan for them, and this client starts to tell you how you need to learn about Dr. Erickson's work with nutrition and what his thoughts are on, um, on the micronutrients and how he interfaces those. And well, do you understand those things? Are, are you clear about what the micronutrients are? Mind you, this is your client talking to you, but they're letting you know, this is great that you got this basic certification. Now you need to advance because, you know, if you're going to continue working with me and you want me to bring other clients on, I want them to know that you're well versed in the things that you say you do. 
Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a great way of explaining how it shows up in clients. It's true. With the, you know, with that type of uh, energy vampire, it seems like no matter what you accomplish, no matter your accolade or achievement, they're always going to be able to kind of one up you. And that's just going to be the way that they derive their energy is to make sure that they don't let you know. Because for that type of an energy vampire, it's almost like they feel like it pulls energy from them to be able to give you any type of positivity or any type of positive feedback right mm -hmm. so i always think of these types of vampires also as the ones that will um like a post on facebook where something really sad happened to somebody but if that same person last week posted that they just achieved this wonderful um you know wonderful certification or they got this amazing job that person generally will not like a post like that they'll they'll like you when you're down and they'll they'll want to be there for you when you're down but when you're up that's that's a little bit too much for them <laughs> yes and this really unfortunate and part of that whole let's kind of like feed off of the liking the post when you're down there are some energy vampires that we discussed that always feel like their life is tougher than yours they'll like your post like let's just say you lost your job and they'll like your post and oh that's so sad but you know what i actually i'm dealing right now with my child having to be able to sit at home and do homeschooling so i have to work with that and navigate between that and my husband i mean i know you're not married but i have to like you know manage my child i have to manage my husband and i have to work so you know feel good about the fact that right now you, you don't have a job so you can actually think about those things um that you need to accomplish i don't even have the type of time so it's a little bit of passive aggressive, right? So so we, we moved right into our next one. There's the one who can't accept your accolades. And then there's the energy vampire that says, my life is tougher than yours. So, I mean, I realize your grandma just died, but she was old and she had a good life. And I mean, look who I'm living with and look what I'm dealing with. <laughs> and so when you thought you were going to call your friend and tell it, you know, get a shoulder to cry on the next thing, you know, you're the shoulder that's being cried on and you're offering all of the condolences and the heartfelt, you know, let me be here for you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The um, person that likes to think that their life is tougher than yours, they just lack a little bit of compassion because they're not even necessarily listening to you to hear what you're saying. They're listening so that they can respond. Yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting dynamic because it's almost as if, you know, in one way your accolade might be too much for them, but at the same time, your your sad experiences might be too much. And, and it's in a different way. A lot of times with an energy vampire who um, pulls from you in that way, you being sad or you needing them is is putting them in a different role than what they're used to being in, you see. So they get their energy from, you know, making everybody feel like their life is a cakewalk compared to them. So if you come to them and you need them, that's a very uncomfortable position. And in fact, I have one of those energy vampires in my life. And, and it amazes me because it's a person pretty close to me. And, and if, if I... I will sometimes experiment and just bring something up almost just to put it out there and see what happens with it. And it immediately gets chewed up and spit out. And the next thing you know, within moments of, of just head spinning, the next thing you know, we're on to the energy vampire stuff. And so it's you learn who you can go to with your stuff and where you're going to get a compassionate shoulder and where you're not. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. You learn along the way where there's reciprocity. You learn along the way how much to open up and how much to shut down. And most importantly, you learn along the way how to establish boundaries. Right. And you know, it's funny because I, part of the reason why I picked this episode is because I have been talking about boundaries and last week's entire episode was talking about boundaries. And I think that sometimes we walk away from interactions with people and we feel fulfilled, we feel energized, we feel understood, we feel validated. And then sometimes we walk away and we just feel like the wind is out of our sails and we're not really sure why we can't put our finger on it. And, and, you know, again, I'm talking to Dr. Rhonda Mays and she's on and we're talking about energy vampires. And one of the things is, is that sometimes these people who deflate us or, or make us question ourselves and if what we're experiencing is real and valid, sometimes with other people, they get along just fine. And sometimes um, we might be looking at our world like, is it me? And, and some of that is just human interaction. We all interface with each other differently and uniquely, and we respond to each other differently. But oftentimes an energy vampire will see something in you that they need or they want, and they cling on to you for that reason. And it may not be something that anyone else experiences with them, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And that's the that's the interesting thing about it. So the other energy vampire that Ron and I want to talk about is the advantageous vampire. And again, we're just giving these names, right? We're just calling them. We're not, there's no uh, clinical science behind the names that we're giving them, but we're going to call them the advantageous vampire. And it turns out that the energy vampires out there, there are certain ones that like to take advantage of our best, best, best traits. So if you are a helping person, if you're a compassionate person, an empathetic person, a person who's always available to other people, chances are there is somebody out there who sees it in you and might actually want to take advantage of that. And I know that's hard to think about, but there are some people like that who who love you for those qualities, but also would like to have a piece of those qualities. What do you think, Rhonda? Absolutely. And I definitely see where you see this manifesting in the workplace a lot. So say, for example, you are a trainer and you have a full load. You have a very fluid load. You get along very well with your clients. Other trainers are noticing that. And what they like to do is attach themselves to you. Oh, let's do a boot camp together, or let's do this type of event together so that they can begin the process of building up their client base. It really has nothing to do with the fact that they want to work collaboratively with you. Their personal agenda is to build up their client base. So they know that you're friendly. They know that you're open. They know that you're helpful. So they're going to, again, try to latch on to you so that they can advance themselves personally. Yeah. And, you know, it's we're all about collaboration. And that's the thing. Rhonda and I are all about collaboration. We collaborate with one another all the time and collaborate with other people. But there are times when collaboration is multifaceted and it goes both ways and you help one another. And then there are times when it's not so much that way. But another way that I was thinking about this type of vampire is this is the one that because they know you have a hard time saying no. Right. That might be one of your qualities is being such a helpful person. You have a really hard time saying no. And again, that's why we covered boundaries last week. This is the client who will often door drop you. So they really don't want to let go of you. They still want more of you. And so just as it's time to end the session, they say something like, oh, you know what? I forgot to mention my right shoulder's been killing me. Do you think we can do something about that? (laughs) And you're like, um, 
maybe an hour ago, but not right now. So often they're the ones who door drop you. They lay a bomb because they want more of you and they know that you have such a hard time letting them go after they just told you they're in pain, right? Exactly. And they also know if they're your three o'clock client that you always have a four o'clock client schedule right after them. So right at 3.52, something major needs to be addressed with them. Oh, well, can you just look at this really quickly? Like they'll do things to try to cause you to run over a little bit so that you're late for your, you're disrespectfully late for your next client because they want more of you. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it almost instills this sense that they, they, they need this validation that they're valuable to you. Right. And so it's just these kind of deep seated insecurities that have nothing to do with you. Um, and so, yeah, that's an interesting one. So Rhonda, let's go ahead and move on and let's talk about the bully vampire. Oh my gosh, the bully vampire. This was actually a hard one to talk about because nobody wants to talk about bullies, but you know, bully vampires tend to get what they need and what they want through intimidation, domination, mm -hmm. often it's mean-spiritedness, yeah. right? Um, yeah. And they, they often say just very underhanded things because the thing about a bully vampire is sometimes, you know, over the years, bullies have learned that you can't necessarily bully um, publicly or you, you can't necessarily just say outright ludicrous things to somebody and get away with it. So they might say more passive aggressive things. They might say something that's very hurtful to you and then follow it up with a statement like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you got upset. I was just kidding. You're just way too sensitive. It's like we discussed earlier, it's the trainer that's making comments that, oh, I noticed that your clients aren't really making any gain. Um, and then when you want to have a dialogue with them about what it is that they said to you, it's like, oh, I'm not saying that you're a bad trainer or anything. I just noticed that, you know, your client came in at 150 pounds and they look like they're about 155 now. But, you know, don't be so sensitive about that. Yeah. It's like they like to throw a little smack around. But then, oh, when yeah. you, like you said, when you like to have conscious, you know, affirmative dialogue that is let's talk this through. Let's really, you know, let's have a conversation about this. Maybe I can learn something from you. Then it becomes, oh, you know what? That was just said in jest. You're so sensitive or mm -hmm. you need to let things go. And it's, mm -hmm. it's usually just very underhanded comments because, again, bullies have learned that it's not so cool to just be a public bully. Right. Exactly. And what they also have learned is that people love to laugh. The thing is, you're typically the brunt of the joke. The joke yeah. is always on you. The joke is somehow always making you feel or look condemned. So really, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a negative behavior and it pulls from you. It, it pulls. It feels heavy for you. However, sometimes because everyone else is laughing, they're questioning, well, why are you being so sensitive? So that's the that's one way that bullying has been made actually a little bit acceptable. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think people laugh out of discomfort, like they're they're not sure what to do. Sometimes a bully will say something. And if you act like it doesn't bother you because, you know, you don't want to be flooded in tears in front of a whole group of people, then then. You know, 
painful laugh out of a little bit of discomfort. Like, I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do with this statement that was just said, because maybe it wasn't blatantly disrespectful, but it sure didn't sound very respectful, right? And then that's where the bully thrives because everybody's in this uncomfortable position because some people are afraid not to laugh and you're afraid to cry. Exactly, exactly, exactly. It takes a person with a strong personality to step in and say, hold on, that wasn't so nice. Even if you didn't mean it in a negative or condescending way, that, that wasn't so nice. Or sometimes someone may come up to your defense and say, well, I've noticed you personally don't look like you've been staying in shape. So sometimes yeah, there's someone yeah. that will come in and kind of shut a bully down. Yeah, for sure. It does take a strong person. And often it takes the person who's not being targeted to do that. So so the other kind of um, energy vampire, again, I'm talking to Dr. Rhonda Mays and I'm Angie Miller. And I'm so glad that you're joining us because we are talking about energy vampires, those people who seem to pull a little piece of you. It's like you're a puzzle. And when they walk away, they've taken your middle piece and you're like, give that back, give that back. But you're not sure you want it back because maybe after they got a piece of it, it doesn't feel so special anymore more. But sometimes energy vampires, they're innocent. They really don't even know what they're doing. They've just become a little bit codependent on you. And you're just that giving, loving, energetic human that everybody seems to love. And they, they can't help it. They want a piece of you. Can you blame them? You're pretty special, right? Exactly. So, <laughs> so at the, the, the other one that Ron and I talked about is the narcissistic vampire. And narcissistic vampires are often the ones that... Um, they, they, they're a little egotistical, but often narcissistic vampires come in a different form. They, they come in a form that I call gaslighting. They sort of, you'll watch them do what they do and say what they say, but then they're in complete denial. And it's a little bit of crazy making where you're like, did, did that just happen? Because you just denied that that just happened. But I know that I just saw that just happen. And, uh, but they spin the narrative completely different and you can feel a little off balance and you look around, you're like, do I trust the world? Am I really touching tangible reality here? <laughs> exactly. Like this person completely invalidates what you feel, what you think, and what you know to be true. So you can say anything and it could be the smallest thing or it could be the lightest thing. And they're going to speak back in a confrontational way about that because their main objective is to pull your energy, is to make themselves feel better. And again, to make you question everything you feel, everything you think, and everything that you do. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think, what is it with the narcissistic or the gaslighting vampires? What is that with them? What do you think draws that, that makes them want to draw your blood and make you feel that way? Make you feel like you're not quite walking on solid ground. Like, ooh, what is this world that I'm living in right now? I like to think of the narcissistic vampire as some type of parasite. So we're in a pandemic right now. We can make this really clear parallel. A parasite or a microscopic organism, they need a whole site. They need something to live in. They need energy source, something to help them thrive on. And the narcissistic vampire, they need our energy. They need your energy. They need to latch on to your energy so that they can feel infused or infueled. Um, if you kind of like go into the clinical world, then that person, the victim is called source. Like you're the narcissistic source. 
So they can have one source, they can have multiple sources, and you they just kind of like pull from you as they need more energy. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. And sometimes those of us who are um, put high expectations on ourselves anyway can be a good source for someone like that because we're we're quick to blame ourselves or quick to put responsibility on ourselves. And since they're quick to shift responsibility, we are a perfect host site, aren't we? <laughs> exactly, exactly. As well as the fact that people that are... Um, that like to do things or get things done or have a type A personality, they're very productive. So they're, they're, they wouldn't be described as a lazy individual. So our narcissistic is attracted to that because this person is highly productive, highly efficient. So they have a lot of energy for me to pull from. They have a lot of energy source for me to pull from. You're not going to necessarily see an, a narcissistic um, person pulling from or trying to attach themselves to someone that's would be considered like lazy or um, mild mannered. They they really kind of pull from someone that's highly productive and efficient. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like the way you explain that. So the other um, enter the other energy vampire that Ron and I want to talk about is the victim vampire. The woe is me, and um, you know everything that happens to me is not my responsibility. So um, I have this controlling personality because I grew up with a controlling parent, or um, you know I'm late because the traffic is always bad. But the the world is against them, and they're pretty much never responsible or able to own up to anything that is going on in their world. They just feel like the world has done them wrong in general and all the blame and the shame gets externalized. It's that external versus internal locus of control when you're talking about a victim vampire. The rest of us who have an, an internal locus of control really believe that we are in charge of our circumstances. We are intuitive enough to know, well, yes, maybe there was traffic, but you know what? Truth is, Angie, you probably could have left five minutes earlier. <laughs> so we don't have an external locus of control, right? Exactly. And the victim vampire just simply wants to pull you in. They want to let you know how everyone else has done them wrong. And the way that they pull you in is by letting you know, but, but I believe you're going to do me right. I trust this situation and that you're going to do me right. And you're not going to do me like the other individuals. You're not going to let me down. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and those words. Oh, those words. The minute I hear I'm going to be the savior. I'm the one, the only one who's ever understood. I mean, they just went fishing and I'm like, exactly. Right? exactly. They just brought me in and I'm gasping for air after I've given it all away. Exactly. <laughs> so insane. They have, yes. they're willing you in. They're willing yes. you completely in. And again, with all of these, it's just like you said, the podcast that you had last week, the establishment of boundaries. It absolutely is. So here's the deal. So this is Dr. Rhonda Mays. I'm Angie. We were talking today about energy vampires. We wanted to keep it light. We wanted to keep it fun. We're not talking about scientific evidence here. We're just talking about people who pull productive energy from us. 
Some of that is our responsibility. And I'm going to deep dive into that next week because I'm going to share with you some tips and tools on how to manage energy vampires in your life. How do you deal with them at work, at home, and in social settings? Because some of it has to do with us. It has to do with us being the source that they need and how we can deflect that and make them responsible for getting their energy elsewhere. Not everybody has malintentions. In fact, most people do not. But they see someone like you out there in the world who is an amazing trainer, who has positive energy, who has a big, 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 busting, willing heart, and they want to be a part of your world. And sometimes they go about it in ways that aren't so productive. What do you think, Rhonda? I think when you have that episode next week, you are going to do trainers a world of good to be able to see this, discern it, understand it, and work effectively with the different personalities that we've talked about. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us on this Friday afternoon. We hope we put a few smiles on your face. And we're also here to say that we're not above being an energy vampire. I've probably been an energy vampire a time or two in my life without even meaning to. Just like last week when I talked about boundaries, I'm pretty sure I've broken a few boundaries in the past. But we just wanted to invite this conversation and then invite in how we can all be more productive people and work with people on a more productive level. So thank you so much for joining us for this Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. Thank you, Rhonda, for joining us and enlightening us. And I hope everybody has a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.